You're talking to me? You're talking to me? That's a line from Robert De Niro's famous role in Taxi Driver. But soon he'll be saying it to someone else, his newborn child. May I remind you, he's 79 years old. Yes, he's famous for his roles in the most famous mob movies, The Goodfellas, The Irishman, and The Godfather. Robert De Niro has just become a father again. An interviewer mentioned his six children, to which De Niro cut her off to correct seven, actually. I just had a baby. But he was hush-hush on the name. At 79, that means he'll be pushing 100 by the time his little tyke gets ready for college. Godfather indeed surprising revelation from the famous actor. You never know who can belong to the family. That's a little bit like the kingdom. The spirit moves where he wants. You never know who will be next to be called a child of God. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week called Signs and Sermons of Jesus. If you've listened to this program for any amount of time, You know we desire to be the program that's all about Jesus. Christ himself gave us this hermeneutic, the way to look at Scripture. The Old Testament looks forward to Christ's coming, and the New Testament reveals his arrival, his earthly ministry, his suffering, and ultimately his glory in the resurrection from the dead. And when I say we're talking about the great story that's all about Jesus, here's what I mean. Paul explained it like this to the Colossians. All things were made by Jesus, for Jesus, and are held together by Jesus. And that includes you and me. So, I have to admit, it's been a lot of fun these last two weeks to talk specifically about the life of Jesus on this program. And today we come to a a mighty miracle he performed when he fed thousands of people. He was teaching his disciples, and us, a very valuable lesson. Our deep need for grace and sustenance. Stay with me to hear more. You know, Jesus had a profound effect on everyone he met. You see this when you read about him at all four of the Gospels. But unfortunately, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you can become somewhat immune to his powerful story. And I think That's what I like so much about the new TV show called The Chosen. It was created to help us meet the familiar Bible characters we all know and love with fresh eyes. What was village life like in the first century? How did Peter make his living? What was it like to be a tax collector and have everyone hate you? Well, these are some of the backstories that Dallas Jenkins is seeking to help us better understand. Recently, I asked Dallas how he was able to creatively tell the stories of the people that Christ met, but stay faithful to the scriptures. Absolutely. And I think some people who maybe haven't seen the show yet, and they hear backstories or context or artistic imagination, and they think, uh-oh, you're messing with scripture. Um, and I understand that concern, but uh, and, and I know a lot of Christians have been burned in the past by seeing Bible stories set to film, you know, by Hollywood and and things change and it feels like unrecognizable. 
Well, I'm someone who's been a believer as long as I can remember. I was a Bible major in college. I love God's word. I believe it. I have no agenda. I'm not changing anything. When you see things that are from scripture in the show, um, we don't change anything. But yes, we do add the historical context, the cultural context, and some artistic imagination similar to when you're hearing a sermon and, and the pastor perhaps is giving you a passage from the Gospels and then says, all right, now let me give you a little bit of the context of what was going on here. And sometimes we like to imagine, you know, what, what might it have been like for Simon Peter, you know, who was married, for example. Those are things we don't normally explore. That's Dallas Jenkins, creator of The Chosen. Later in the program, I want you to hear a little more, a scene where some holy imagination is used to help us better understand the man known as Peter, the fisherman. That's a hint, of course. Then after the program, I want to send you all three seasons of The Chosen on DVD. I invite you to visit us at haventoday.org, where you can watch clips from the series, as well as listen to our Great Stories podcast, where you can hear my full interview with The Chosen's creator, Dallas Jenkins. And then make at least a minimum gift for the bundle of seasons one to three for The Chosen on DVD. We have it in our warehouse in the U.S., in Canada. We can send it to you right away. You just need to go to haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you just want to get the new season three that's just released on DVD, we have that for your gift as well. And now I want us to open the program with music by Michael W. Smith with Vanessa Campaign. You are here Moving in our midst I worship you I worship you You are here Working in this place I worship you I worship you You are We make miracle work Promise keep Light in the darkness My God That is who you are We make miracle work Promise keep Light in the darkness My God That is who you are You are here Touching every heart I worship you 
never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. title of the song was Waymaker, sung for us by Michael W. Smith and Vanessa Campaign. I'm Charles Morris, and the program is called Signs and Sermons of Jesus. A couple weeks ago, we spent some time here in the program talking about the prayer heard around the world. It was the prayer Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and we're included It's a prayer that teaches us to come humbly before our Lord, to subject our lives to Him. In some churches, Christians recite the Lord's Prayer every week, and I think that's a great practice. Of course, just like anything, it can become just something you do with no real significance. But there is something special about coming before our Lord and praying the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Let me refresh our memory. Once again, this, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, it's a short prayer but a packed prayer. I'm not going to walk through the entire prayer again, even though that would be certainly edifying to us. I just want to draw out two fundamental postures that this prayer orients us to. The first comes from the opening line, Our Father, who art in heaven, let your name be hallowed. Our posture in prayer is to the Lord. Actually, our posture for life is to the Lord. The theologians like to remind us that we live life coram Deo, before the face of God. Every moment we live, we're living under the Lord's eyes. And if you've ever read the dystopian story called The Handsmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, that might be a terribly frightening thing. In this story by a Canadian author, the women are subjugated, and forced to be slaves. A common phrase, they have to say, as a sign of their obedience, is under his eye. Now that has a dual meaning. Under his eye means God is always watching. But in this world, 
God isn't the loving God we find in the gospel. And under his eye also means under the constant surveillance of the men in charge. And in that kind of world, the idea that you live coram Deo is terrifying. And sadly, some Christians think about God like this. You think about God as essentially a member of the secret service, constantly keeping tabs on you, making sure you don't step out of line under his eye. And if you step out of line, he will be swift to punish. That's how too many of us think about the Lord. But the opening lines of the Lord's Prayer completely correct that. Our Father, my Father, not our Master or my Master, our Father who art in heaven. This is how Jesus teaches us to think about prayer and about life. We are children of the Father, not slaves on a plantation or employees punching a clock. We come to the Lord as our Father. And yes, we live under his watchful eye, but it is as the apple of his eye. We live under his eternal smile, not his frown. So that's the first posture. Jesus teaching us to have a posture of humility and reverence before the Lord, but doing it as children, as those who can call God Father. Here's the second. If you take the Lord's Prayer and you list it out all the requests, something interesting comes out right at the center. There are nine requests in the prayer. The first four, that God's name be hallowed, that his kingdom come, that his will be done, and that this would be true, not just in heaven, but also on earth. Then the final four, forgive us, not just because, but forgive us because grace changes our hearts to forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Have you noticed what's missing? Give us this day our daily bread. It's right in the middle. And why is that? Because we can't forget that we live in a flesh and blood existence. We know we have a soul. We feel the emotional depth of our life. But sometimes we get caught up in the spiritual. We can forget that our lives are flesh and blood as well. Yes, we need the grace of the Lord. We also need the food for our bodies. We need water to drink. Give us this day our daily bread. And that reminds us of that. When we come to the Lord, we are coming as his spiritual children, our Father. But we are also coming as human beings that need sustenance. Two postures, both absolutely essential to our life day by day. We need all his sustaining grace, and we also need our daily bread. This is something the disciples needed to learn as well. The crowds would come to hear Jesus teach, and his disciples thought that was enough. But Jesus knew better. He taught them that the Lord wants to provide spiritual and physical sustenance to his people. And in the last episode of the newest season of The Chosen, we see this playing out before our very eyes. Rabbi, people are out of food. Some have been without food for days, others have traveled a great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. Is it time to send them home? 
But at this point, they're so hungry and tired, if we send them home, they're faint along the way. You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. Ah. <laughs> mm. Well, this is a tough one. Where can we buy some bread for all these people? We only came with a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. Maybe if we go into the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with whom? The closest city is Abila, and its entire population is here. It's nine miles away, and even if we raided every house in town, we'd have to find a way to bring it back here, and it would still only feed a fraction of the masses. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is this for so many? Barley loaves. Two fish and five barley loaves. Thank you for clarifying. This is humiliating. John? He will take care of it if he wants to. You look scared. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid that he'll choose them. This is wonderful bread, Telemachus. I know it's not enough. Oh, it's enough for me. I can do a lot with this. Thank you. That was an excerpt from The Chosen, a TV series following the life of Christ and the people he met and changed along the way. Jesus told us, I can do a lot with this. He was talking about the meager provisions he was given, some loaves of bread and a couple of fish. We know the end of the story. He multiplied that food and fed thousands. So much so that everyone there ate until they were full. They even had doggy bags left after everything was said and done. The message is clear. Jesus can make a feast where there is famine. He can take what little we have and use it to fill everyone's needs around us. All it takes is a meager faith. And of course, the message works on two levels, doesn't it? Jesus was showing the crowds that he wasn't just a normal teacher or a typical rabbi. He was more. He worked miracles, but he wasn't a magician. It went much deeper than miracles. This was the Lord in the flesh, showing his people that he could move heaven and earth to provide. He came to take the burden of provision upon himself, to expend his own energy in bringing sustenance to his people. And of course, this ultimately happens at the cross and with the resurrection. Jesus gives us his all to provide life for anyone who comes to him. But there is a second level, the material level. Jesus was actually providing real food for really hungry, needy people. The masses that came to him were not rich. For many people, this was probably their first and only meal that day. 
They had come to Jesus because he was one of the few people in those days who showed concern, compassion for them. He saw them when everyone else ignored them. And more than that, he loved them as he loves us. No matter how forgotten or needy or overlooked we are, Jesus sees us and he shows us his love. We walk through life quorum Deo under his eye. That's not a scary thing. It's a joyful thing. It means not a moment goes by that the Lord isn't aware of our need and our frailty as people. Not a moment goes by that he isn't sustaining our souls with all his sufficient grace. He sees us, but he cares for us too. We live under the smile of our Lord, and that smile doesn't go away, ever. So if you are in Christ, if you have turned to him, you don't have to worry about losing out on his favor. Christ has already gone there for you. You don't have to worry about him keeping tabs on you to make sure to punish you for stepping out of line. The Lord has accepted you. And the joy is that you and I get to come to him every day with a posture of worship and humility and a posture that's aware of our deep need. The Lord is good, and he, he alone, will always be faithful. City of Lights with Colin Buchanan, Jesus Strong and King, here in this haven today, and a program that's called Signs and Sermons of Jesus. 
I think the title of this TV series, The Chosen, is so appropriate. The Lord indeed calls sinners like me and like you to follow him and worship him, to be used by him. No matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, Jesus chose people from every corner of the world to become his own. And that's something that comes across so clearly when you watch the Chosen TV series. And as you watch all three seasons of this series, I think you'll better understand the human struggles. Mary Magdalene and Peter and Matthew and even Nicodemus, these were people just like you and me, flesh and blood caught up in their day-to-day lives, but lives that were transformed when they met Jesus. And when you watch this most unique but well-produced TV series, I know you'll be encouraged that Christ can use you for his glory even today. So, for your generous gift to this listener-supported ministry, I want to send you all three seasons on DVD of The Chosen. You can go to our website, watch some of the samples from The Chosen, Take a look at the video that I shot with Dallas, and then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or call us right now, and the number to call is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And if you just want to get the new Season 3 on DVD, well, we have that as a standalone for your gift as well. I'm Charles Morris. And I want to invite you to come back and join me again tomorrow on Friday when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. If you have children, you might be familiar with this phrase, I love you to the moon and back. It's a way of showing a child just how much their parents love him or her. When a child hears that phrase, they look up at the sky, they see the moon, they're amazed, it's so far away. You know, our loving God speaks this same way to us in Psalm 103. There are the words, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Next time you're outside, look up to the heavens. See God's love for you. He loves you to the moon and back. What a wonderful father we have. Get more daily encouragement with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.